BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. If debit is your go-to card, Discover thinks it's time you get rewarded too. So check out Discover Cashback Debit, a game-changing checking account with cashback on everyday debit card purchases. That's right. Cashback isn't just for credit cards anymore. Whether it's a movie date, flea market find, or midday latte, you can start earning cash back. And did I mention there are no fees, period? Check out transaction eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashbackdebit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. So I think for the first time, I understand why Renaissance festivals exist outside of <laughs> Comic Cons. <laughs> <laughs> They're awesome because aren't they? Okay, so that is like the Comic Con of fantasy worlds, right? Kind of because everybody's a pixie yes. or an. Are elf you a Ren Fair or... person, Will? I I love a good Ren Fair. Everyone's got their thing. everybody and welcome to this week's episode of Fanatics, the <laughs> podcast where we talk about things you love, things we love, things that everybody loves yes. and a world full of love. I, of course, I'm Claire Kramer, along with my co-host, David Magadoff. Hello, everybody. Hi, Claire. Hi, David. Wow. We have a good one today. I think we're starting to string along in my, I'm sort of manifesting this. The entire cast of Boy Meets World will be on Fanatics is my manifesting. Because we got we got Daniel Fischel Carp, who is the wonderful Topanga. That happens. Yes, you always who's, who's fanatical about vintage t-shirts. Yes. And that's where so, we learned about the mullet and the pit to pit. The pit to pit and all the crazy stuff that you can terminology with vintage t-shirts. Yes, listen to that episode. But today we have on Mr. Will Friedel. Yes. Big brother Eric Matthews. And so we have we have more of my childhood on this podcast, and I could not <laughs> be happier. Were did you affiliate more with the Eric Matthews character or the uh no, Fred Savage character? No, or Ben Savage character. Ben Savage all the way. Well, not only really? do we look alike, oh yeah. I moved mean, I think that's a great compliment, Claire, that you even think I would relate to Eric Matthews, who the handsome, charming, good at football, classic hair parted down the middle and just sort of just effortlessly going down his head and looking handsome. No, I'm the 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 somehow I don't know how they were related, but much more Jewy younger brother of Eric Matthews. <laughs> but he is going to come on here and talk to us about his love of fantasy novels. But let's keep talking about our love of Wilfrey Dell for a second. Well, I, just, I will uh, talk yes. about my love of his. Now that you mentioned it, he did have the classic like 80s hair, like mm -hmm. or 90. When was that to come on? 90s, I guess it yeah. was. But it was like that, like awesome hair that that Zach from Saved by the Bell had yes. also, you know, and those other, you know, I'm sure someone on 90210 had it. I can't think of whom off the top of my head. Brian Austin not Luke Green. Perry, not, oh yeah, Brian Austin Green. Yeah. And he did okay for himself with Megan yeah. Fox there for a while. And, you know, 
back together apart together who knows but <laughs> <laughs> Will Friedel also he also uh, so many voices and Batman and Deadpool and ElfQuest and Kim Possible and Guardians of the Galaxy TV series uh, the dude just is his voice He's is everywhere super talented I actually also did ElfQuest with him we recorded like two weeks ago and we had this great recording session where like nine of us all phoned in from across the country and recorded you know the uh, a couple episodes three episodes and it was so much fun but I was in awe of his talent again so talented as a voice actor oh, that's so fun did he do like his natural voice Claire or no. was he doing like a fun voice no, he was doing like crazy different voices for the different. And actually, he his character wasn't too heavy in these episodes that we were recording. And so the director was like, could you please also read this character? And could you? And, and then he like on the spot busted out with like the most amazing interpretation of these other elves that I'm like, they would be crazy if they didn't just hire him and use this recording for that because he was awesome. <laughs> well, it's a good thing that he loves fantasy novels because <laughs> his inner elf came out. So his everyone enjoy. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone enjoy uh, Wilfrey Dell and diving deep into fantasy novels. Woohoo! Welcome, Wilfrey Dell, to the podcast. We're so happy to have you here today. And we're going to talk to you about something that we, David, we haven't talked to anybody but about this. We're no. going to talk about fantasy novels. Yes. I love it. I mean, okay, let's just start with the basics. Well, what is a fantasy novel? Well, I mean, that's... It's funny that you should ask that because there are a number of different genres when it comes to fantasy. I mean, everything from some people will say it's sci-fi, but no, sci-fi and fantasy are two completely different things. So what makes a fantasy novel, I would say, would be great world building and a, and a wonderful magical system. And so those two things coupled together is usually what makes a wonderful fantasy novel. And how would you, hold on, you, you brought up a great thing that I think a lot of people are, as you say it, just like me, are like, that's a great Point. What is the difference, Will, finally, for all of us between sci-fi and fantasy? <sighs> okay, so, well, it would man, it would depend, and I'm going to get, you're going to get a lot of people that are going to agree and disagree with every aspect of what I'm going to say, because it depends. Sci-fi novels normally have, as the name, as the title would say, has some element of science fiction involved. Right. Whereas fantasy or high fantasy, if you want to get even more specific, is usually more magically related than it is somehow technologically related. So there can be elements of both that will overlap. But if you're reading about something taking place on a giant spaceship, chances are you are reading a sci-fi novel as opposed to you are reading about orcs and elves, you are then reading a fantasy novel, which again, you can then it gets into a gray area, much like the white shirt with black stripes, do I use bleach or not? where it's, you know, I, it's orcs and elves on a spaceship. Okay, am I reading a fantasy novel or am I reading a sci-fi novel? So, yeah, it's, there's, there's some, some fisticuffs over, over the exact uh, meaning and, and uh, definition of what one or both would be. And I think that everybody kind of has a different definition. I mean, I've, like you said, some people will disagree with what you're saying. It, it seems to be like a really hot topic, especially in the fantasy community, because they want to remain separated in title and category. Is that right? Would you say? It, it is. And the thing that's so amazing is that fantasy itself can include so much. People go back to, and you want to talk about the genesis of fantasy. A lot of people will go to Tolkien and Lord of the Rings. When I truly believe, and a lot of people agree with me, that the actual gen genesis of fantasy is more epic poetry, mm. like Homer and the Odyssey, Beowulf, things like that. That's really where the 
the fantasy world kind of started. The Odyssey is the perfect fantasy novel. So the never-ending um, story. Exactly. Well, <laughs> a little. Yeah. You mentioned we, we the some... Odyssey and Beowulf. Are they not side by side with the never-ending story? <laughs> with the never-ending story. Two? I would say part two is in a category all by itself, much <laughs> like Break Into. But yes, there is that that question of where did it start? And everybody says that, you know, the Genesis is really Tolkien, which again, I don't agree with. I I think it's far, far earlier than that. Yeah. That's a good point about Beowulf and the Odyssey. I kind of, I I see where you're going with this, but where did you first like discover the, the fantasy genre, I guess? Where was your Genesis, Will? So that's the thing. My initial Genesis might not even really be considered a fantasy novel, but it so got me into reading that it brought me into the fantasy world. It was third grade. So it was 19, (laughs) and I found a book by an author named Lynn Reed Banks called The Indian in the Cupboard. (gasps) I love that book. It was unbelievable, and it opened my eyes to a world I'd never thought imaginable that existed between two covers where you can open up this world and disappear into your mind and into a, a world that's been created by these authors, and The Indian in the Cupboard absolutely changed my life. So uh, for those of you who don't know, it it is a book. And again, fantasy-esque, but not probably considered fantasy. It would actually nowadays be considered probably a YA or a young fantasy book, even though it's more, there is a magical system, but it doesn't really take necessarily take place in a magical world. A boy finds a magical cupboard that every time he locks it, whatever toy he locks inside comes to life. And he put this little uh, Native American figure inside, which he locked and it opened up and then a little cowboy figure. And it's about their struggle against each other and these tiny little people in this big world. It's amazing. And it just opens up your mind. And that then led me to the fantasy world, which, again, changed my entire life. So why do you think that movie, though, looking back on it, like when you think about it? Well, not movie, the book, not the movie. Oh, sorry, because I I know it is the movie. (laughs) I apologize because I'm literally picturing picturing the trailer of it. Yeah, I know. But when you were reading the book, did you just go like, wow, I can't believe that these people came to life? Because Yes. You know what it was? It was the first time I can recall losing myself in words to the point where I could see everything happening mm-hmm. in my mind, crystal clear. I could picture the kids. I could picture the little figures. I could picture the room they were in. It was so beautifully written and so detailed that it made me understand that while television, which is arguably the greatest love of my life, uh, the way that the story is told to you and laid right out in front of you, you're part of the story because how I picture the character in my head is going to be different than how you picture the character in your head. So everybody sees the story or reads the story differently or adapts to the story differently. And that was the first time in my life where it opened my mind to that. And then I, by, I'd say about fifth or sixth grade, I'd become as much of a voracious reader as you can be at that age when you're then finding kind of all the different books that are around there. And, and the fantasy world was, was calling at that point. And that's when I jumped right to what is still my favorite fantasy series of all time by David. Well, it says David Eddings, but really when you, when you get more deeply into it, you realize he wrote most of them with his wife. And then later the books had both their names as David Lee Eddings, which is called the Belgariad and the Malorian series, which uh, the first one is Pawn of Prophecy. And literally it was, you couldn't have written it better. My bedroom growing up used to be my older brother's bedroom. And when he moved into a bigger room, I moved into his room and he didn't take most of his books with him. So I'm looking at the books in the shelf and there's this book, Pawn of Prophecy, that was just left there. And I opened it and 
uh, again, just like it was the most wonderful world to lose yourself in. And that's the joy of fantasy is a lot of the times what you're doing is you're opening book one of 15. So you're with these characters for a long amount of time, a ridiculous amount of time. The Wheel of Time, which is one of the biggest fantasy series of all time, from the time that he started writing it to the time it finished, the original author had died. It had been 20 some odd years and his wife had to go out and find another author to finish the series because the series took so long. So you're investing decades in, in these characters that you're reading. And it just, it changes the whole ball game when you're not just, oh, it's one book and I'm tossing it. No, it's book one of 14. And you know that you're in the long haul. It's, uh, it's pretty great. It, I mean, it sounds like you really have to be, and I'm this way when I read too, I'm a completionist. Like if I like the author, I have to read everything the author has written. It doesn't matter. You know, that's just part of like what I what I crave. So I understand the longevity in these series and the investments, I guess. It's phenomenal. I'm unfortunately, I take that to an even more extreme version where I'm what I am now coining a masochistic completionist. Okay. Because I will open a book and I will hate the first chapter and I will still have to read the other 15 books. So it's like, I'll you be going, read. this is, you're a hate reader. I, hate, I, I am. It's like, this is the worst. God, ah, and I'll throw it down. I'll go, now I have to buy the next one. I hate it. And I will still have to finish but every there, single but book. But there's something about knowing that full story, you know, and also you have to. I, I have to pick your brain on this. Okay. Because okay. with TV and film, you also have that suspension of disbelief, you know, arguably, but it is different when you're reading. How is that different for you? Will, when you open a fantasy book, you know, you know, it's a good question. I guess because I, I'm a writer, but I don't write prose. So I'm a, I'm a screenwriter. I have been since I was a kid and something that I love and it's a great job and it's a lot of fun, but I don't sit there and write novels, write thousand page novels. So to be able to lose yourself in a world that somebody's built from, you know, the blank page is a, is a wonderful and horribly daunting thing to stare at. So to know that somebody has taken that and built a world. Perfect example, going back to Pawn of Prophecy and the Belgari and the Melorian series. They finished the entire series. It's, it's 10 books long. And then they wrote something called the Riven Codex. And what the Riven Codex is, is essentially all the details about how David and Lee Eddings built the world down to the point where he created for every individual land in the world he built, he created their own economic system with their own system of money. Wow. So in the Riven Codex, you're literally reading how a Tolnedrin crown uh, costs, uh, how, what, what that is worth next to a Cherik gold. And you're going, how, you know, this is insane. Not only are you creating these entire races out of whole cloth, but then you're coming up with political systems for each individual land. You're coming up with economic systems for each... Uh, 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 judiciary systems. I mean, there's different forms of government that he's talking about. And you're reading the book about how he created the world and how detailed it is. And all this from the story being when he was with his editor at lunch one day, he drew a map on a napkin and handed it to him. And that became the, the start of the world. So from there to extrapolate to the point of full economic systems, you're realizing how much work goes into creating these phenomenal worlds, which is what they are. You're, you're losing yourself in a completely built world. It's okay. Uh, it's crazy. It's, it's totally crazy. So now let me ask you this. Christopher Nolan, obviously I'm reminded of when his diagram of Inception came out. Yeah. And the fan fantasy, it sounds like it's very linear and Nolan's Inception was very 
horizontal. You know, it went deep, 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 deep. Is that is that fantasy then, or is that? Yeah, I mean, yes. Well, again, that would be his world was more what I would call confusing. Um, (laughs) (laughs) It was I love it was genius. It was, but I loved watching that movie with people who were like, "No, man, you're just confused because you don't get it." It's like, no, I get it. It's just confusing. (laughs) This is where you get into the question of what is sci-fi and what is fantasy. I mean, there are elements of both, obviously, in the world that he built. It's all world building, which is kind of the overall arcing theme of sci-fi and fantasy. But yeah, that's, it's, it's both and it's neither. That's the, the joy of it. And it's kind of what you can make from it, but it's also different with film than it is with, with, mm-hmm. uh, with books. Yeah. Like I'm not a huge sci-fi fan. I tried to get into it and you figure you're going to love one. You're, you're going to jump into the other. And it's just, kind of not the case for me where I've tried and there are some that are incredible right? and some authors that do both, which is why I thought, oh my God, well, I love his or her uh, fantasy work. So obviously I'm going to love his or her sci-fi work and, and it's not always the case. So uh, yeah, it's certainly uh, interesting. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welding instructor Alex DeClaire knows firsthand how VR training platforms like ForgeFX can help meet the demand for skilled workers. Anywhere you go look, there's going to be a shortage of welders. VR training can help welding students learn the skills they need to begin and advance in their career. The beauty of virtual reality is it simulates that exact muscle memory that they need. Explore more stories like Alex's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Well, it goes to the idea that essentially what you're saying, if I could dare, I say, boil it down into a sentence. And this is a big dare. <laughs> this Magic is a big dare. is what fantasy is about and science is what science fiction is about. If, yes. if I could. I know. I know. It's yeah. not that simple. You, How do I create world peace in a sentence? I can't. But right. I feel yeah, you like can't, that's essentially what it is. Because oh, so... What do you think you love? You keep saying you want to dive into these amazing worlds where there's different languages and currencies and political systems and they go on for 14 books. I, I, have, a, I have a great belief that usually the things that we see as a kid stick with us forever. Like you're still stuck with this, but you learned this as a kid. You didn't learn this as a 30 year old man. So was there something you loved about getting away? Was there uh, your life in, in such a way uh, or was no, I had a good childhood. I just loved the, I loved just diving in to these fun, creative worlds or was there something else going on that dare I, I can ask you if you can go, go back <laughs> no, into your childhood a little. No, that's fine. My family life was, is Brady Bunch esque where I had a phenomenal, have a phenomenal family and did growing up. So no, I, I had a, a wonderful childhood. My life, my entire life, and Claire knows this because when you're, when you're a young actor, my entire life was a fantasy. I mean, I was on, I've been on television since I was 11 years old. I started on stage at 10. Um, by 11 and a half, I was getting on the bus in Connecticut and driving down to New York City by myself uh, in the 80s to go for auditions. I mean, everything about my life was a fantasy anyway. So it was, I think maybe it, it lends itself to that 
it, there was nothing I would, it's so strange because it, it is such an escapist kind of pastime. And yet I really didn't have anything to escape from. I just loved it. The same way with television. I mean, television has spoken to me since I was a, a, a tiny little kid in a way that it doesn't speak to most people. I mean, I'm at five or six years old, I would watch a television show and I remember pointing to one of the characters and looking at my parents and saying that, that I, that's what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. I knew it. I just, it wasn't what I wanted to do. I knew that it was what I had to do it was there was no question. I was named after a television character. My first full sentence was about a television show. It has been part of my life. It is my life. And that's kind of how, what fantasy felt like to me the first time I read it. It takes you to such a place and now you're directing the, uh, that's not even right. The, the writer's directing it. You're, you're the director of photography in your own mind. <laughs> where you get to show the colors of the world and the you architect. get to... You're the yeah, building, yes. Going back to wonderful. Inception, I like it, clear. good job. I mean, you are, back to Inception. <laughs> and the, the twist at the end is, it was really confusing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, what did the totem mean? <laughs> exactly. But no, it's just, you do, you get into these worlds and some of them are horrifyingly overwritten and they are a thousand pages long and could have been 500 pages long. And you realize that when you're on page seven, of describing a dress that a woman's wearing that you're kind of going, okay, this, I don't need to. And then you have some like the wheel of time that were supposed to be six books long, but were so popular that the company came to him halfway through and uh, came to Robert Jordan halfway through and said, can you double it? So some of the books in the middle there meander where you're kind of like, oh, okay, this is not, he's, he's, this is filler. Uh, but you're still in, you're, you're in the world and and some of these authors, like like Brandon Sanderson is a perfect example. Brandon Sanderson is my, is my go-to right now, my favorite author right now. And it's because the magical systems that he comes up with, you go, wow, what? what, what? Like, where did you, for instance, one of his, his first trilogies ever is called the Mistborn series. And it's absolutely wonderful. And it starts in kind of Victorian era. And it's about the magical system is all based on internally burning metal. So you can walk around with a vial of pewter and if you down it, you can then burn it inside yourself and that will give you one specific power. But the very select few people are what's called mistborn where they can burn all 11 metals at the same time, which allows them flight and power and they can riot mobs to do certain things they want. And you're sitting there reading these things going, how, where, where did this, where did you come up with this? And then he'll take those powers and he'll put it in a wild west world where all of a sudden it is now a, a law enforcement, uh, you know, Ooh, like, like a that. sheriff. Yeah, I it's, love it's, that. It's, it's if Wyatt Earp could down metals and burn metal. It's just, it's insane. And you go, where are you coming up with this kind of stuff? And it's that whole world building what if that sucks you in. Okay. Uh, and it's crazy. Pants. You must, you must, Will, have started to build your own world out to write a novel of your own. You must. I mean, you're you're so deep into this. You have of to have course. a template. Yeah. So tell us <laughs> I what do. what is Will's not what is your fantasy novel? Tell I us, don't, just a little know, bit. A little bit. Okay, so the very little bit of my novel is essentially <laughs> I've never told anybody this. Okay. Uh, <laughs> essentially you find out that all of time on every planet in every universe is run by one royal family. Okay. And that ro- every royal in the family has a right hand that's called a runner. It's a time runner. And if they see something on a planet they don't like, they send their runner back to change it so that the planet ends up where they want it. And the problem is 
now become that the prince and princess have usurped the throne and killed the king and queen, and they're going to destroy time on most of the planets. But two of the runners have escaped. Oh. So again, it's very, and I'm not a, I'm not a prose writer. So this is a story that is wonderful in my mind, but it's for me. I've got four horribly written chapters of a terrible book that no one will ever see. That's not true. Uh, That's not true. You can, you know, it's, it is. (laughs) Trust me, it is. Uh, You could bring someone in. I love the concept. It's genius. And it's It's really funny because I have some of the coolest moments in my life have been becoming friends with these fantasy authors. So Brandon Sanderson, for instance, who I was talking about, he's one of the biggest fantasy authors in the the world right now. I, out of nowhere, just wrote him a letter and said, hi, I'm a voiceover actor. I'm an actor. I write for most of the animated series that I've done. And would you ever consider making one of your uh, uh, novels into an animated series? And two days later, he wrote back and said, uh, my family and I are huge fans of yours. We've loved the, the, some of the series you've done. You were Bumblebee. My kids love Bumblebee. That's amazing. I am sending you a copy of an unpublished manuscript. Uh, and I would love for you to read it and let me know what you think. So it has since come out, but I'm looking at an unpublished manuscript from my favorite author in the world, knowing that nobody has read this thing. And it was just the coolest thing in the world. And Robin Hobb, who, who is another amazing fantasy author, she's incredible. She wrote The Assassin's Apprentice and The Live Ship Traders and tons of novels. She and I have become friends and we're working on a project together for a while. Uh, so to kind of put myself in that world with the people that I love and respect is just incredible. That's the thing. Your love of television and your love of fantasy, you're the bridge man. You're the rainbow bridge. I hope so, because it's it's one of those things where, I mean, nothing lends itself to fantasy like animation. So it would just, I mean, really work like gangbusters. So we've got some stuff happening, which is pretty neat. Um, but it's, yeah, when you lose yourself in these worlds, it's you live the worlds for as long as you're in the books. I mean, you look at the Harry, you look at the Harry Potter series. I mean, there were kids, you talk about people say magic don't exist. There were kids waiting in line at midnight to buy a book. Oh, you that's wanna- magic. And you know what I was just reminded of with you getting the manuscript before it was published? J.K. Rowling's didn't even do that for the casts. I, I know. They, 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 they were like, we had to go buy the book when it came out, just like everyone else. So that is like it's so special. Insane. Apparently she, one day, the, the kid who played Harry, I'm blanking on his name, da- but Daniel, Daniel Radcliffe, Radcliffe, apparently went up to her one day and said, how does it end? Uh, before, as they were shooting the movie and she wouldn't answer, but turned back around and said, I guess, as the story said, said, don't worry, you do get a death scene. So she gave him that little bit, that little tidbit before they, they finished. But uh, I mean, yeah, that's, that's a perfect example of a world that can change the world because everybody was jumping into it, kids, adults. And that's, you know, one series out there of 50 that are, that right. are like that. Uh, so, yeah, is, is there a Is there a conception amongst like the hardcore fantasy novel readers that like something like Harry Potter because it was so commercialized is not as good or you know is it looked down upon at all I don't think so I mean again you're always going to get the haters are going to hate kind of things the people that no matter what it is if it becomes popular a band anything it's like then it's no longer cool I've never been that person I'm that person if something's good it's good it's good uh and if you know more people I remember my my brother finding this this band in the eighties that he loved and loved and loved. And then it became super popular. And it was like, it was guns and roses. 
So he found Guns N' Roses before anybody else. And then he's like, now nah, they're on MTV. It's like, really? They're popular. That's not a bad thing. Everybody's um, enjoying their music. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> People can do that. So uh, I think you get you get some diehard Harry Potter fans where that's their whole life is Harry Potter. And then they will never jump into any other fantasy. And then you get fantasy fans that just... You know, they like Harry Potter. They like they like uh, um, Game of Thrones, which I'm not a huge Game of Thrones fan. And, and you know, you, you have those conversations. You have Tolkien conversations where, man, if you want to see nerds rage, you stand up in a fantasy conference and you say, I don't like uh, Lord of the Rings. And I'm that guy who says, I don't like Lord of the Rings. And, oh, man. You and get, what happens? Well, half of them go to grab their, their broadswords. <laughs> exactly. You know what actually happens? No joke. Is the whole room goes, oh, how can you say that? Yeah. That's the most how can you possibly say that? And then half of them come up to you out of earshot and go, I don't really like it. <laughs> um, you give so voice to the voiceless. It's true. It's, and again, I, I love Lord of the Rings for what it was and what it did for the fantasy genre. I always equate Lord of the Rings to the Model T Ford. Okay. Amazing, amazing for what it did for the automotive industry. Better cars now. So that's kind of how I look at Lord of the Rings. By the ninth Hobbit song of them just walking through the woods singing, I want to throw the book through the damn window. Right. Uh, but it is what it is, and people love it. But I, you know, I'm also not a big Game of Thrones fan, and that throws people too. Well, you know, the the series, the produced series on HBO was a lot different than the books. A lot, and the books talk about meandering in the middle. Like Brienne was like walking around in like the sixth book for like half the you know half the yeah. pages. It's really interesting. Are you with TV? There's this whole thing about like rewatching a series, or you know, we all watch movies again and again. But I think it's really different with books. Are you a rereader? Do you re read series i i am always rereading and rereading series i am right now i am halfway through the sort of truth series right now for it's got to be my 10th time and i i'm like that with <laughs> david's eyes just like you are crazy man yeah i'm i reread and reread and reread over and over and over again i'll find a new series and i'll read the entire series and then i'll put it on the shelf and i'll start over with something else and it's also it's if i hear that a new book in the series is coming out I have to start at book one and read all the way through you, to then get to the to the new one. You so, are some sort of new completionist. I, it I, it, it is. has to be like a different title. I don't like the negativity of like a masochistic <laughs> completionist, but there we got, we got to coin this term because that isn't. I'm I'm a completionist Claire, as my well. My tribe calls him a mensch. <laughs> That's what, how about nouveau completionist? That's good. I like. There we go. Yeah. So like. it's. That's how I am. I'm just that I'm that way. And it's, um, you know, I get I've gotten to the point now with some of the series where I've read them so many times that it's more skimming than reading. But there's some that I want to read over and over again. And then there's some that are, for lack of a better word, just therapeutic. I'm having a bad day, a bad week. I'm anxious. I know I can throw myself into one of these fantasy worlds and, and relax myself. Yeah. Yeah. How many hours a day do you read? <laughs> Or maybe, uh, maybe it's easier to say like a month. Like how many books would you go through in a month? Oh, that's tough to say. Uh, it depends on the month. I like to read, I would say 50 to 100 pages of a book a day. Okay. Pretty good. So yeah, not, I mean, it's not ridiculous. It's not like I'm, you know, I'm reading novel after novel after novel every single day, but I like, it relaxes me to read, which, you know, in a fantasy novel, 50 to 100 pages is you know two chapters three four five chapters yeah. yeah in a in a dan brown book it's 177 chapters <laughs> but uh yeah so that's uh, yeah 50 to 100 pages is, is kind of my go-to about 
Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Whoa, sweet man cave. Thanks. Serious upgrade. How'd you pay for all this? I got a home equity line of credit from Figure. I was approved in five minutes and had funding in five days. Wow, that fast and easy? Yep. The application is 100% online, plus no out-of-pocket costs. Just fast access to the cash you need. How do I get started? Go to figure.com and get that serious upgrade. Figure Lending LLC, DBA Figure, Equal Opportunity Lender, NMLS 1717824. Terms and conditions apply. Visit figure.com for more information. For licensing information, go to www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. Is there a certain series that you've loved that, or is it the ones that you've just reached out to these people that you'd love to see turn into a show? I don't want to see any of them turned into a show. Oh, I am that person. I wouldn't mind an animated series here or there, but the kind of like the big wheel of time show is coming out. Can't be done well. It's literally impossible. So, the, I mean, we saw that with Game of Thrones. Game of Thrones, they had to change everything, and then they just wrapped it up, and they threw away the last season. It just it doesn't do the story justice. So Wheel of Time is a perfect example. It's 16,000-page books, basically. So if they want to do either a show that lasts for 48 seasons, or they want to do like 25, three-hour movies, right, then they can do it. But the only thing you can get is a bad version of Wheel of Time. It's just... It's too detailed. There's too much going on. It, it, you know, stuff like Harry Potter lent itself to movies. You could, you could do it. You could get away with it. They still cut out a ton that the people that loved the books were like, why would you cut that out? So even that couldn't have been done the way you want it to be done. These never-ending series of books, they just, it's, you can't, how do you make a 1,200-page book into, uh, you know, a movie? You, you can't do it. So I, I'm one of those people where I think, stuff should be made for TV and, and movies make fantasy for TV and movies, build a world specifically for that. Mm -hmm. Don't take these things that are, you know, 16,000 pages long and boil them down to a three hour film. Like you just, you can't, it shouldn't be done. I find that when I'm watching, I I like to read the book before the movie comes out. If so, if, you know, for example, I hear they're making a movie out of whatever Dan Brown book. I mean, I've read all his stuff, but you know what I mean? I like to read the book first. And then I get so frustrated because I feel like I have to explain everything to whomever I'm watching the movie with because so much is cut out. So I totally, I, I'm kind of with you on that. Will. I never thought about it that way, but I really, I kind of agree. And I think, you know what I think would be great is take, get these amazing uh, women and men that are these fantasy authors and have them write a television show, have them write a movie, do it specifically for that. But don't, don't try to adapt because it's just, it works with some things. It doesn't work with others. And it's just, it's yeah. Dan Brown's perfect example. Dan, Dan Brown's great. You can totally, but I remember going, my wife and I went and saw um, the first hunger games mm-hmm. uh, and they, when uh, spoiler alert, but if you haven't seen it already, there's nothing you can do. Oh, and blow through re- it. It's up. It's, it's exactly. Should have seen it by now. Go. That's go ahead, how I Will. say too. So uh, when Rue is killed, the little girl is killed. Yes. We're sitting in a theater, and there's no sound made except for the three women next to us who go. <gasps> and you saw everyone in the theater kind of look at them like, "Haven't you read the book already? Like, yeah, like, is, like this, is this really your first 
foray into this world, you're you're shocked that the, that the games made to kill kids just killed a kid. Like, I don't understand what ha- what's happening. So I'm the same way. I like to read the books. The problem is then you're just setting yourself up for disappointment when you go see whatever you're going to see. No, it's and true. you get season or you get television writers who think they can do it as well as the author. And then you get season eight of Game of Thrones where you go. Oh, it's interesting. You took all the relationships and went, we're going to pretend those didn't happen. Right. Uh, you know, that's <laughs> it's fun. All, it's all wiped clean. Exactly. Um, <laughs> Will, if, you, yeah, could, if you could lend your voice, since you do so much wonderful voiceover, if you could lend your voice to the character that you've always wished you could and you get that oh. opportunity, which voice do you, and you get to choose? Oh. oh, wow. Oh, man. There's so many that I would love to do. I think I would... Uh, off the top of your oh, head doesn't have to be a, a tough, hate well i know i know favorite because it's okay just the I top know, favorite one of the well top i mean five. again randall tor would be very cool who's the lead the the main protagonist in uh actually uh, there's three main protagonists in wheel of time the three main guys who are uh perrin matt and and rand so any one of those three guys would be uh would be pretty great yeah i there, it would also be pretty cool to play silk uh, who's a who's a great character from my Pawn of Prophecy, my my Belgarian Mallorian series. He's kind of a snarky, rogue, thieving assassin, for lack of a better kind of phrase. <laughs> perfect uh, typecasting. Yeah, perfect. And he would be uh, he would be very very cool. So yeah, I mean, there's so many that I would I would love to do, but I would also love to just you know I had an idea that I wanted to work with a bunch of fantasy authors about, which was building a world. And this one of the things that I'm, I was working with. Uh, uh, Robin Hobb about and and still we're kind of toying with the idea is building a world of fantasy specifically for animation, not taking anything, but building it for animation, kind of arcing it out. Uh, so we have seasons one and two done and then going to the best fantasy writers working and giving them each an episode and saying, here, you write this, you write this, you write this, you write this. And then you, so you've built a world with all the best fantasy writers specifically for animation which I think would be uh, would be a ton of fun, too. That yeah. would be amazing. Yeah. So I think for the first time, I understand why Renaissance festivals exist outside <laughs> of Comic-Cons. <laughs> <laughs> They're awesome! Because aren't they... Okay, so that is like the Comic-Con of fantasy worlds, right? Kind of? Because everybody's a yes. PC or an Are you a Renfair or- person, Will? I, I love a good Ren Fair. I, really? I have not been to one in years. It's the truth. I was I was supposed to go to one with the Critical Role gang uh, a couple years ago, and I wasn't able to go. I love a good Ren Fair. I can always eat giant turkey legs and drink some mead. But yes, it is. That's more the high fantasy elves. You know, that's more Dragonlance kind of Pixie, stuff. Pixie elves. Yeah, yeah, elves. That that kind of. And how does the turkey leg tie in? <laughs> Like, well, because, you know, it's like, it's like at, uh, uh, where do you go? Medieval, medieval times. You know, there's right. always like the giant turkey leg. For some reason, giant pieces of bird meat always represent some sort of fantasy world. Is that but, not your yeah, fantasy, I, Claire? Just dreaming of giant turkey legs I mean, I'm roasting into it. I in the just, oven? <laughs> right? And I then bead? I, the last time I was at a Renaissance fair was when I was in high school and I like went and sang with like our, you know, show choir there. So I, it's been years. I think I should look into it, but it just dawned on me during this episode that it's the exploration of that, that, that fandom is sure. in a way separated. So yeah. I'm, I'm super into it now. <laughs> Isn't that the great, did you sing Wassail? Did you sing the Wassail song? I'm sure we did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you got the mead, wassail, wassail, wassail all wassail. over the town. Yeah, yes. of course. 
Well, um, if you had was... a, if you had to give a gateway fantasy novel to to someone who's just like I haven't read one, someone that had that feeling like you did with the Indian in the cupboard, like which novel would you hand that person? From your... Could I ask for a few more specifics, such as how old is this person? Sure, you're you're pitching to the demographic of a of someone who's maybe a teenager, maybe pubescent, who is looking for hobbies, trying things out, okay. trying to become their own adult. Okay, let's say, let's let's get a little. Okay, I'm going to even get a little more specific Ooh. on you. Let's say you're a, you're say 12 to 11, 12 years old. Great. I would lead you directly to either Rangers Apprentice, the Rangers Apprentice series by John Flanagan, who's an Australian writer. It's a wonderful series. R- uh, Rick O'Rourden, I think, or R- or Reardon, I think his name is, who does the Percy Jackson series. Those kind of things would be great for that age. Getting a little older than you're 15, 16, something like Pawn of Prophecy. If you're looking for more tongue-in-cheek with a horrible amount of sexism, I could also then throw in something like Piers Anthony and his books in Xanth, which we just went back to. That's one of those books where I read as a kid. The entire world is based on puns. So, you know, the whole thing takes place in the land of Xanth and you open up most fantasy novels. When you open up the cover, there's a, a, a map of the world. And when you open up the land of Xanth is Florida. So... Uh, yeah, and it's this. Uh, Piers Anthony is the, the writer, and as a kid, they were the most joyous things in the world. I went on my friend Ryder Strong has a podcast called Literary Disco, where they and I'm the fantasy correspondent on Literary Disco, and I brought them to the world of Xanth, which I hadn't done since I was twelve. It is the most horrifyingly sexist f- piece of literature I have, and to the point where the character literally ends up at a rape trial where the woman has to defend herself. It's so horrifying that you go back and you read it and you're like, you've got to be kidding me. So it can touch on every kind of aspect over there. It's crazy. That's one to read for just, wow, times were different in the early (laughs) 80s. Uh, But yeah, so, and then Pawn of Prophecy, you get to be 15, 16, get into the Pawn of Prophecy. You are more an adult and you want to jump in and you've got some time. I would say if you've got a ton of time, do Wheel of Time. If you don't, uh, there's an amazing series right now that's happening. It's Brandon Sanderson. It is his Stormlight Archive. He's only, I think it's supposed to be 10 books. He's working on the fourth one now. They are ridiculously entertaining. It's the type of thing where you finish a 1,200-page book and you go, that can't be the end, and you flip back and you start it over right away. It's incredible. And, uh, you know, a lot of his stuff is great. Uh, the, uh, his, like we were talking about, the Mistborn series, that's incredible. Robin Hobbs Assassin Apprentice. There's so many I could recommend. Oh my gosh. I, I I first of all, I'm definitely the first thing I'm doing when we're off this is ordering Indian in the cupboard for my kids because I totally forgot about that book. It is amazing. I didn't even know they made a movie out of it, but I'm I'm kind of yeah. glad I haven't seen it. And definitely <laughs> I'm gonna take your 12-year-old recommendations as well afterwards. This has been so educational for me, Will. I'm like yes. I'm super impressed. And now I'm gonna check out Writer's Podcast because I love him, and and I didn't even know he was doing a show. So- yeah, writers, writers, very writers got a master's or something that took him a damn long time to get in literature. So he's you know very educated when it comes to stuff, and they're they're like you know go very in depth with with novel after novel after novel. Writers a novelist, so he he knows what he's doing with this kind of stuff. Uh, but the fantasy world again, you the, you get to that nerddom, and uh, uh, I love it. I mean, I love yeah. it. 
Okay, so Will, here's your goal for the next time you come on Fanatics because you're going to be okay. back. I, I have you didn't to okay. get homework, Will. Welcome to our <laughs> I podcast. Love it. Here's the I homework. I, take those four chapters. Don't worry about if they're bad or good. Send them to your writer buddy. Send them to one of these, these guys that you correspond with and say, help me. Help me turn this into my first novel because it is an amazing idea. And I, I cannot think of a better fit than you writing one of these things. I'm, well, I'm that so would be great. It. I appreciate that. I, I am, uh, I, yeah, they're not good. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't they're matter. It's, the concept, I'm telling you the concept is good. And you know what? If, if Claire says it, it's, that's it's true. true. That's it's true. true. If Claire and Claire says it's Claire approved. a lot too. <laughs> right? It Claire that's right. That's right. Listen, Will, put some glitter on it. You're good. Just draw put a map. some glitter on it. Put a map in there. You're good. Yeah, put, put a, a map, map in there. Yeah, you're totally good. I honestly thank you so much for joining us. I really feel like just super invigorated about reading right now. And I love oh, that great. feeling. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. well, you've got you have a whole brood of kids, don't you? Yes, many. <laughs> and and how, how old is the oldest now? Twelve. I have twelve, ten, eight, and six. So, okay, yeah. You, I got fantasy. something for everyone. There is. There's <laughs> fantasy to cover. And the 12-year-old, actually, doesn't even matter, boy or girl. The, the, those series, the Rangers Apprentice series, they're just, they're easy to read. They're a ton of fun. It's a great story. And again, it's, there's like 15 books. So you can you just keep going and going and going and going. I love it. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show, Will. David and I, I know I speak for David. We really enjoyed having you. And yes. you're awesome. And until next time, do your homework. <laughs> Thanks, everybody. Thanks, Read Will. your fantasy. Claire, do you think you do anything per day as much as Wilfried Dell reads fantasy novels per day? Um, <laughs> I answer to answer to this one word, mom, mom. Mom. <laughs> but other than that, no. I I actually I'm inspired. I love reading. I really truly I'm more like a Dan Brown, Jason Bourne, um, Girl with a Dragon Tattoo. That's like my jam with reading. But I absolutely love reading. I, I do not have enough time to read in my life, I feel like. And even when I try to go to bed early so I can get like a chapter in or get, you know, I end up falling asleep. So my reading life right now is Basically, when I get on a plane, I read a book. So the more I travel, the more I read, the more I'm at home, I'm too tired to read. But I'm like inspired to try to like crack open a book every day now, you know? Well, that's the best thing about planes is it even now with all the Wi-Fi, mm -hmm. right? You just are like it's so much effort to 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 get connected, especially because it always goes in and off and everything. It's a really special place to just be like, no, yes, I'm going to read. I'm here. <laughs> I'm focused. I'm in a tube. I am in a tube in the sky. I am, I'm here. I'm present. <laughs> so yeah. I, I applaud you for that because I too am someone who loves to read uh, on the plane. Yeah. And, and like the idea. Of, it'd be nice to read. It'd be nice to read on the ground too. It, it would be nice to read on the ground. But the idea of like on a plane, just to finish up what you were saying about Wi-Fi, like to have to pay to then have to work on my, I'm like, no, no, no. I'm just checking uh, out for this flight. Like done. I'm on a plane. Sorry. No Wi-Fi. You know? <laughs> But Will has this like deep love and respect for the fantasy novel. You know, like that's really what it is with him. It's not just the enjoyment and the pleasure of reading. It's the it's the appreciation for the author and the art form itself, you know, and the world and the world development. So anyway, the world it's, creation. It's a, it was a beautiful conversation. It was a beautiful time. And 
he loves the worlds and we think the world of him. And we well, wait, are wait, so excited wait, before that you, you keep before you wrap back it up, before you wrap oh, it up, okay. one you felt more, the wrap up. Thing. You felt it. Let me I just want to ask you, David, because now I'm really interested. Okay. <laughs> um if you we we asked this with Will, we gave him some homework. He's gonna work on his chapters, you know, connect with his friend. If you were to write a fantasy novel off the top of your head, what is it? Give me like the elevator pitch. Two sentence elevator pitch. Wow. I have to not only I have to give you the pitch. A young boy goat steps into an elevator and he steps out on another planet. This is Steve on Jupiter. <laughs> I think you went into you went into science fiction a little there, and we did discuss the difference of that too. But I will still accept oh, it. it. Sounds no. like a great story, Steve. But don't you just appreciate that it was a child named Steve? Steve on Mars. <laughs> I, or you, did you say Mars? Jupiter. Jupiter. I said Jupiter. My memory is so short. Which is all more impressive because it's a gaseous planet. So I don't even know how he'd step out. He would just sort of fall. Remember when into Pluto the was a planet for like a few decades, and then they're like, "Nah, uh, oops, we made a mistake." <laughs> Pluto went out for Pluto. <laughs> All those 80s, you know, dioramas have to be thrown away after that decision. Oh, no. <laughs> anyway, thank you, guys. Now you can wrap it up, David. Go ahead. All right. Well, we poured one out for Pluto. We'll pour one out for all y'all. We'll see you next Thursday. Thanks, guys. Okay. Bye, everyone. Thanks for tuning in. And uh, yeah, see you next Thursday. And before you guys drop off, just wanted to give you a heads up. Next week, we are going to talk about... Da, 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 moleskin notebooks. And if you think we can't fill the time talking about moleskin notebooks, you are sorely, sorely wrong. This is one of my favorite episodes. We have the amazing Janina Gavankaran. She, of course, you know from True Blood, Vampire Diaries, Mysteries of Laura, Sleepy Hollow, The Morning Show, The Way Back, and much, much more. Been on the cover of Vogue. She's a, she's an amazing musician as well and was the first female ever on Twitter back in 2006. Uh, but we're not talking about that. We're talking about Moleskin Notebooks, her uh, systematic way of purchasing them and the colorization system. So tune in next Thursday. We'll see you guys then. Thank you for listening to Fanatics, a Roddenberry podcast. For more episodes and info, head over to wearefanatics.com or tweet your Fanatics thoughts and stories at wearefanatics. Yes, that's we are F-A-N-A-D-D-I-C-T-S. Our show is hosted by Claire Kramer and me, David Magadoff. Produced by me, Claire Kramer, and Colin Baker. Executive producers Trevor Roth and Rod Roddenberry. Our sound engineer and editor is Elizabeth Joy Windham. And you can thank Stephen Mudd for our theme song. Catch us next Thursday for another Fanatics episode. Wait, that's a lot. Elf ears and pixie dust. And maps. So many maps. Elf ears and pixie dust. And maps. So many mother flipping maps. And a pouch of gold somewhere. <laughs>